Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Everyone watching online, we're so glad that you are with us today. All right, are y'all ready for the final week of the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Listen, this is going to be a great, great week. You know, uh, uh, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it, 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 it culminates with these last three days where we have the awakening uh, revival. It's going to be three powerful nights, and then Sunday morning is going to be a very powerful services. That's kind of the breaking of the fast. And uh, we're going to have a powerful, going to pray for healing. It's going to be very, very uh, powerful. And so we just encourage you to finish strong and engage this last week. And, you know, even if you haven't been participating in Awakening, come on, you can get in on the last week right now. And uh, just go to the website and you'll see Daniel fasting and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You, you can do it by God's grace. And it's really about pressing into God. It's about drawing closer to God. And as Marianne said, you know, Friday night is sold out, but we still have some tickets for Thursday night uh, with, with uh, Stephen Furtick and then for Saturday night with Christine Kane. And it's just gonna be an amazing event. Remember, no one breaks the fast until after the ch church on Sunday. Don't be heading over there to Denny's and, and Cracker Barrel and wherever you're going on, on Sunday morning. I'll ne you'll never make it to church, okay? You'll be asleep by 11 a.m. from all those pancakes, all right? We're coming to church. We're going to do it right. Remember Daniel. Remember the, the breakthrough that he had on the 21st day, and that's Sunday. And so it's going to be a powerful, powerful week and uh, really, really excited. Don't forget water baptism uh, as well this weekend. We've had many people... Uh, give their lives to Jesus over these past few weeks. And so we're going to be celebrating with water baptism after the services on Sunday. And that's good because we need to be in a real good mood to watch the Super Bowl, right? I don't even want to look at the New England Patriots. I don't even want to look at them. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm going to watch a Super Bowl. I might keep my fast till after the Super Bowl. Man, we got done wrong last week. And I'm telling you, we, we, we've, got, we've got some players, some Jag players that attend the church and they played so hard and they were so, let's give, let's give the Jags a big, big hand. It's a great year. It's just such a great year. So I don't know, but man, I was even fasting. That hurt last Sunday. I, I don't know if I can watch the Super Bowl. Boo New England. Sorry if you're a Pats fan. Hey, it's time for America's team to rise up and overtake the establishment. So anyway, all right, let me get back. You can get back in the Holy Spirit here. That's why the Lord told me don't talk about football on Sunday unless LSU wins and the Jags win, and then it's okay to talk about. But other than that, we don't talk about it. So, so but uh, look, man, I'm really excited about today. Let me tell you the difference 
um, or a little bit different about today's uh, message. And that's this is, I really feel like that this is a, not just a message, but a word from the Lord for you, for all of us. And, uh, and, and I try to get God's heart, God's message for every weekend, but sometimes there's just something that I know is of God in a more prophetic way, in a more timely way. And this is something God dropped in my heart uh, as I was studying this chapter of scripture a couple of weeks ago, and then I had it confirmed this week uh, by someone, and then God did something powerful in our staff meeting, our all staff meeting. Then I had it confirmed again uh, a couple of days later by someone else. And so, you know, when I see that, uh, those kind of things and what God already has on my heart, I really know that God is, is speaking to us. And uh, so I'm, I'm gonna preach out of 1 Samuel, Today, we're gonna to go through like the first 14 chapters. I'm sorry, the first 14 verses. Uh, Y'all excited about that? So I'm like, uh, I know the Jags aren't playing, but you know, not a little extreme. Um, we're gonna to go to 1 Samuel chapter seven, and we're gonna go over the first 14 verses there. Hey, Wednesday night, if you're here on Wednesday night, we did Acts chapter 10. We did 46 verses out of Wednesday night, so. So this is gonna be easy. But uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna take a look at when Israel has a banner year. They're about to have a banner year. They're about to have revival. And there's just all types of foreshadowing and types and shadows and prophetic things in this chapter. And I really think that God is gonna speak to you about your banner year. And I've entitled this message, Only the Lord. Only the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, uh, for these next 30 or 35 minutes, God, help us to lean in. Jesus, you're here and you're gonna speak to us today. And God, we're gonna receive your word and we are gonna experience the banner year that you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter seven and uh, before I begin reading, I just wanna give you a little bit of context. I wanna talk about, just kinda summarize chapter five and chapter six, and then I'm gonna kinda lay out what we're gonna look at here in chapter seven, okay? But uh, the children of Israel are in a pretty difficult spot, okay? And that's because back in chapter five, they were at war with the Philistines, and they were defeated, and lo and behold, the Philistines captured the ark. This is the ark of, of, of the covenant that uh, symbolizes God's presence, that, that has the Ten Commandments in it. It's like the soul of Israel. It was kind of like the thing that, that represented God's covenant and that God was with them and God's presence and God's power. And in fact, the way they got in trouble was they, they took the ark into battle with them and they thought that the ark itself would save them even though they really weren't right with God. And so the, the, that's how powerful the ark was. So the Philistines capture the ark, but watch this. And I re, this was in our, our daily Bible reading, a chapter a day, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I really encourage you to go back and reread it because it is just a powerful, fascinating story. So here's what happens. So the Philistines capture the ark, right? And they take it to one of their towns and they set it up in the temple of Dagon. Now the two main gods that they worshiped back then, or lesser deities, false gods, fallen angels, demons. We're gonna talk about all that in the end time series that kicks off on Wednesdays in February. 
One of them was Dagon. Think of Dagon was like, he was like a nephew to Baal, so to speak, okay? He, he wasn't as powerful as Baal. Baal was the god of war. Baal was the god of prosperity. He was also the god of thunder. It was Baal and Ashtron. She was the goddess of war. She was also the goddess of fertility and a lot of sexuality associated uh, with her. But there was this kind of cousin, so to speak, of of. of, of of Baal, and they called him Dagon. And so he was like the god of grain and wheat, specifically for like crops, not just overall prosperity. And so, uh, so there was this temple of Dagon, and there was this huge, huge idol in the temple. And so the Philistines captured the ark. They bring the ark of God. They put it in the temple of Dagon, probably to represent like Dagon rules over over Yahweh, the Hebrew God. And lo and behold, they put it in there and they come back the next day and the, the idol of Dagon has fallen down. So this kind of freaks them out a little bit, okay? And so they kind of get it back up, you know, and, and set up the big statue again. And then they come in the next morning and guess what? It's fallen down again, okay? And so now they're starting to really get worried. And so they set it back up again. They come in the next morning. It's fallen down. The head's rolled off. The, 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 the arms have, like it's kind of been dismembered, so to speak. And only his belly is like at the front door, so to speak. And so the, this altar's been crushed. And so now they're really, really worried. And sure enough, what happens is now a plague begins to break out on this Philistine city. And what begins to happen is people start to have, you kind of think about uh, uh, Egypt. When God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, they started to have all these tumors uh, all over them. And then also rats came. Come on, how many of you know when it's a plague of rats, it, you in trouble, okay? Rats came, started ravishing their land and all their harvest. So, so now they're really freaking out. So they think, okay, maybe let's just, let's just get it out of the Dagon temples. D d I'm not saying Dagon it. I'm saying Dagon the Get out that Dagon temple. D Dagon temple. So they get, out, they get out of the temple. They said to this another Philistine city, same thing, rats and tumors. They think, well, let's try to move it out here. Same thing, rats and tumors. So what they do is they bring the, 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 Phil the Philistine priests, think of witch doctors or, or shamans, think of the magicians like that Moses battled. And so, uh, and so they're like, man, what do we do? And so the Philistine priests are like, man, I'll tell you what you do. We, we better get this ark out of here. And they start saying, what are we stupid? Are we idiots? Don't you remember what the, the God of Israel did to the Egyptians when they wouldn't let the children of Israel go and all this kind of stuff? He's gonna do the same thing to us. He's already crushed Dagon. Now he's gonna crush our other gods. Then he's gonna crush us. And so then they're, the, 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 the people, the, the lords of the Philistines of these five cities are like, okay, so what do you do? So these, uh, these priests of Baal were like, okay, let's do this. Let's make, let's give him an offering. Okay, so we're gonna make these huge gold uh, idols or, or we're gonna make these huge gold things. We're gonna make five huge gold tumors. How many of you like that for a Christmas gift? I'm, I'm giving you a gold tumor. Not really sure what that looks like. And five gold rats, big gold rats, okay? Remember, there were five Philistine lords. There were five cities. So like, okay, we're gonna give this as an offering uh, to the Hebrew God, and we're gonna put these in a chest. Then we're gonna put this on a cart. We're gonna put the Ark of the Covenant on the Ark. And here's what we're gonna do just to give us a little bit of insurance, okay? What we're gonna do is we're gonna take two cows that just gave birth. 
In other, one, they, in other words, they're, they're cows that have calves. And we're gonna hook these two uh, cows to the cart with the ark and our offering of gold tumors and rats. We're gonna hook them to this cart and, and if they stay around, think they're kind of tipping the odds in their favor just to make sure because a mama cow never wants to leave her calf, okay? So they took the calf. So they're like, if they stay around and kind of go around in circles, we're gonna, we're gonna know that this was just a crazy coincidence. And maybe we'll hold off with sending uh, the ark and the offerings uh, back. But if these two cows leave their calves and basically head over to Israel and go towards Israel, then we're gonna know that this, is, that this was from their God and, and we're gonna send this back and maybe he'll remove these plagues and all this stuff. So sure enough, they hook up these two cows. Guess what they do? It's beeline. It is beeline to the border. I mean, they are pulling that ark. They were, they are, they are heading to the border. So they just go straight, forget the calves, forget everything. We going straight to Israel. So, so they know it's God, right? God brought this. Thank God his, his presence or the ark is leaving us. So here's what happens. So now there's a border town called Beth Shemesh. And so the Israelites, some Israelites are out there harvesting wheat and all this. And imagine this. Now the Philistines, they're so upset and they have no soul and the Ark of the Covenant is gone. Everything that represents their covenant with God and, and power and his presence and everything. And they're out there just like working in a wheat field and lo and behold, here come two cows. And on the back, whoa, there's, there's the ark. This is unbelievable. They make a beeline. They cross the border. They come into Beth Shemesh. But the Israelites are so excited. Watch. They forgot all of the associated rules that go with handling the ark that Moses laid out. Like, you know, only the high priest can do certain things. And only the high priest can go in the Holy of Holies. And when it's handled, it's got to be handled by Levites. And it's got to be done this way. And you can't touch it like this. There's all these regulations. See, because here's what we need to understand. God's presence, it's very, very good, but it's very, very powerful. And until the blood of Jesus came, a whole lot of the Old Testament is helping God's people understand, oh, he's a good God. He's a powerful God, but he's God and he's not man and he's a holy God. And so it was like, you know, think of the sun, right? The sun's awesome, right? It grows our plants and our food and we can't live without it, out it. But, you know, if we were able to get in a spaceship and be like, hey, let's go check out the sun. It's awesome. Well, you start getting close to the sun. It's not going to be so awesome anymore. I mean, it's awesome, but you're going to start to melt. You see what I'm saying? Or, Think of nuclear energy. Hey, they just built a nuclear reactor. Man, no one's there. Let's go check out the nuclear. Like, no. Nuclear energy is good. It can power cities. It can also melt your face and kill you, okay? <laughs> so so they're, they're all happy. <laughs> the poor cows that brought it over there, they sliced them up real quick to make an offering to God, but they handle the ark incorrectly. Bam, a whole bunch of people die. So now they're like, what do we do? So they send it. Here's where we're gonna pick this up. They're gonna send it to this place. This is verse one, Samuel chapter seven. They're gonna send it to this place, Kerjath Jerem. And that's because there's some Levites there. They understand the ark. They're, they're, they're familiar with uh, the law of Moses and all these kind of things. So it, it can, at least it's not gonna break out on everybody. And it says, uh, 1 Samuel chapter seven, verse one. It says, then the men of Kerjath-Jerim 
came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. Now look at this. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was 20 years and all the house of Israel relented, or I'm sorry, all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So there's a couple of really interesting things about this story and where we are in this story. First of all, think about this. The children of Israel wanted the ark back so, so bad, but they didn't even have the means or the wherewithal or the know-how or the skill or anything to go get it back. In other words, they didn't find God's presence. God's presence found them. A lot of times we think we got to find God's favor. No, God's favor finds you. A lot of times we think, hey, we're looking for Jesus. No, Jesus is looking for you. You don't find Jesus. He finds you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And this is a great picture here of what God will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence will always be, be, be with you. But here's the challenge the children of Israel have. And yes, God's presence is there with them but they don't know how to engage God's presence where it can help them and move their lives forward. It's like this amazing presence and, and this amazing person and this amazing power and, and, and the Israelites wanna experience it and they know how it can bless them and they know how God wants to be with them and they know how God wants to bless them and they know how God wants his power to flow through them, but they don't understand how to exercise what God's given them. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? What God's given them so that they can be free and that their lives can move forward. For 20 years, they had been dealing with this, but it's all about to change right here. You're about to watch a revival break out in their banner year. And of course, it's not the same thing, but I just find it interesting that our church turns 20 years old this fall, and I believe that God is sending a revival, and it's going to be your banner year. And we are looking at a story. They were okay. Things were, you know, the ark was back and all that, but they, 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 they really wanted to experience God's power. And his blessing. So, so look at this. Look at this. It says, uh, verse three, it says, then Samuel, okay? So he's judging Israel. He's also a prophet. He's like awesome man of God. It says, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying, look, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, not lip service, heart attitude, Look, with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the astros from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord. That's what we do in awakening. Prepare your hearts for the Lord. Look, and serve him only. Everybody say Jesus only. Serve him only. Look, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the astros and serve the Lord only. What I wanna do right here is I wanna just give you an outline of what's about to happen in this, the remaining uh, 10 or so verses here. I wanna, wanna show you what's gonna happen here as Israel breaks out in revival, revival and has a banner year. Can you put those up there, 
please look. The first thing we're gonna see is they're gonna gather together in service. In other words, they're not, they're, they're, look, that's what we talk about, a weekly service. There's something that God does special when his people, come on, gather together in worship to him. There's some things that happen in the corporate environment. Give yourselves a hand because you're in a service today. You're gonna be in a service in Awakening Revival. You're gonna be in a service next Sunday. There's, there's something about, about being in the presence of the Lord with God's people corporately, okay? Okay, the next thing, look, they return to God in true worship. True worship, that means with their hearts. The third thing that we see here is they sought the Lord in fasting and in prayer. We're doing that right now as a church. Then they repented from their sin and they put away their idols. Remember what repentance at a foundational level is. Repentance is, means I'm gonna change my mind. See, watch this. Repentance means I've, I'm self-directed. I'm gonna change my mind. I'm going from self-directed to being God-directed, right? I change my mind and God changes my heart and then I take my heart and I give that to God and I serve him. That's returning to the Lord with your heart, okay? Um, look, then they're gonna renew their minds in the word. Listen, you can't change your life without changing the way you think. And we're gonna see a powerful illustration of that here. Then we're gonna see revival. Revival broke out across the land. It was their banner year and God restored what had been held back from them. And that's the thing about revival that we're gonna see. See, here's the thing about revival. A lot of people think revival's like, okay, it's about like me getting more from God, me getting free, me, me, me getting healed, or, or people getting saved. And, all, and, and yes, that's true, but it's not about getting more. It's really about God restoring what he already has for you, but maybe you didn't come into what God had for you because maybe somehow things were held up. Maybe somehow, you know, there were, there were things in your life. I'm gonna tell you something about your banner year. God is gonna restore everything that he's appointed to you. He's gonna, that's, revival restores. That's what God says in Joel. When he tells, when he's talking about revival in Joel, and he says, you know, it, it, turn to me with all your hearts. God says, he doesn't say I'm gonna bring more. He just says, I'm gonna restore the years and the blessings that the locusts and the worm have eaten up. See, you don't even understand how much God wants to bless you. He's got it waiting in heaven. He has so many things he wants to do in your life. In church 2018, we are gonna take back in Jesus' name what the enemy has taken from us. You still got it, it's just been held up. All right, are you ready? Okay, look at this, watch this. Go back to that verse here. Look, if you return to the Lord with, with, with all your hearts, look, then put away the foreign gods and the astros from among you. Prepare your hearts for the Lord, look. Serve him only, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the astros and serve the Lord only. Let me talk real quick about this concept, Baal and Ashtoreth. As I said, both God and goddess of war 
One was prosperity, one was kind of sexual infertility, and kind of the way they worshiped these gods together was, it was like when Baal and Ashtaroth would basically have sex or whatever, that was kind of the ultimate deal. That would release all of this prosperity and blessing and fertility on the land and all this kind of stuff and, and bless them in war and all that kind of stuff. And so that's why in the worship of these false gods, there was a whole lot of sexual deviance. There was a whole lot of, there were temple prostitutes and all these kind of things like that. And Ashtaroth, and that's why God's pointing out Ashtaroth, because this was such a powerful goddess, I should say, lesser deity, false god, fallen angel that, that, that began in antiquity uh, in this culture right now. And so if you trace back the roots of Ashtaroth, it goes all the way back pre-flood back to the cradle of civilization, Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia. She was part of the Anunnaki that were the fallen angels that came down and taught men all kinds of sin. But this is interesting. Listen, the story or, or the legend of Astroth and some of these other gods, Enki and, and all this kind of stuff is Astroth was very sexual and she was very cunning. And she was able in a battle with another God to deceive him, the, another fallen angel. We'll get into this in the end time series. Uh, to basically, the, the story was that she was cunning and she deceived him and she usurped power from Enki, one of these main, main uh, false gods. She usurped power and she got the Ankh. The Ankh is the symbol. You see this all over Egypt. You see it in Washington, D.C. You see it in a lot of structures and all that kind of stuff. That's that Egyptian symbol where it's like a cross and it's like a circle at the top. That represents transformation and authority. And whichever God had the Ankh was kind of the main God. And so the, the story or the legend was that she usurped authority and she got the Ankh. And that's why we see that the Amorites... Not the Amalekites, they worship Molech, but the Amorites elevated her above Baal, like she was the preeminent goddess. And of course there were Baal and these other gods, but she was very, very powerful back then. Now watch, this is important because this will help you in your understanding of the New Testament. So that's why when we read in the New Testament in books like Corinthians and in books like Timothy and things like that, when Paul is planning churches, churches in these Gentile pagan societies that have the worship of these false gods and Ashtaroth and all this kind of stuff, he'll say things like specifically to women and he'll say, okay, women, and I wanna, ladies, I wanna remind you this. You don't usurp authority over your husband. You don't usurp authority over the pastor, over the preacher, over, over the man of God who's speaking. Because back then, the narrative was a woman kind of being cunning and usurping authority and gaining control. That was godlike. That was considered like, that, that, was, that was godlike. So that's why Paul, and I could give you all kind of other things. So that's why Paul, he's coming in and a lot of the things that he's saying is to get people out of this type of pagan false God narrative. So he's telling the church in Corinth, like, hey, we don't get drunk at communion. Can I have a good amen? I, I know y'all did that in this other type of work. We don't get drunk at communion. We don't have sex with whoever we want to. In fact, we don't embrace sexual immorality. We, we actually flee from sexual immorality. And we don't have sex with our relatives. You can read all about this in Corinthians, just side note there. 
And then another thing with, uh, with, with women, there's, there's no value, ladies, in trying to take control of the church, trying to, trying to usurp the pastor's authority. He delegates authority. He can delegate authority to women and men to preach the gospel, but you don't usurp his authority. You don't usurp the authority of your husband. That was a counter narrative to the narrative of these false gods. You follow me? Okay, so that's, are y'all with me today? All right, so, so that's why, if you constantly look in the Bible, God's constantly like, cut down the astral poles, get rid of astral, get down the bales. He's remember back in these days, it wasn't about um, is God real. It's about which God is the most powerful. It wasn't about did God create the world. It's about which God created the world. So what we see in antiquity all through the New Testament is God constantly proving himself that he is the God of gods, that he is the Lord of lords, that you don't serve him and other gods, you serve him only because he's the real God. So look, it's interesting. So that's what it says here. Look, it says this. Samuel says, serve him only. So they put away their bales and astros and they served the Lord only. Everybody say, serve the Lord only. Here's what that means. It means... Yes, they were serving the Lord, but they were also serving Baal and Astra. So it wasn't just that they were serving these false gods. They were serving the Lord and they were serving the false gods. And here's what I found about people that profess Jesus. There's a lot of people they're and the Lord followers of Jesus. They're not only the Lord followers of Jesus. Do you see? There's idols, there's things in their life. Remember, an idol in your life, it, it can be sin, it can be evil, but it doesn't necessarily have to be evil in itself. It's just anything that has taken the preeminence of God. It's anything that is on equal value or is important or more important than God. And I see believers all the time, watch. It's like, yeah, I do this and that, that and the Lord. And I, da, 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 da. It's, it's and my faith. Listen, if you wanna experience the power of God, if you want the presence of God to move your life forward, you can't be a and the Lord Christian. You gotta be a only the Lord Christian. And here's what God has spoken to me. Listen, if you will put away, if we will put away our idols, we had a move of God in our all staff meeting this Tuesday, if we will put away our idols, guess what? God will visit us and we will see a powerful revival in our midst and we will experience a banner year and God will restore to you everything that has been held back. But we're going to put away our idols. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit to shed some light in our hearts. An idol can be, be anything. And here's what I found about the Holy Spirit. He has a really good way of searching our hearts. <laughs> Come on. Are y'all gonna still love me after this message? He has a really good way of shining his light in our hearts and show us what's either taking the place of God or it's right there beside God. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You have to choose one. 
I'm not talking about God's love for you. They had the ark. God's presence was there. His favor was right there. It's about having God's presence be the blessing that God intends it to be. It's about having God's presence operate in your life for the purpose. There's a purpose for the Holy Spirit being on the inside of us. There's a purpose for the word of God. So you just gotta, you gotta let the Holy Spirit search your heart and maybe there is a bondage. Maybe there is an addiction there. Maybe there is a, something sexual there. But So think of it this way, okay? So take that, right? So we're all human beings. So we're all subject to sin. God made, made us, created us as sexual uh, uh, people. So I think all of us, will struggle with either sexual temptation or lust from time to time, but there's a big difference in, in, in having a season where you struggle with lust and serving lust. Big, big difference. Are you following me? It's a big, big difference. There's, there's, there's a, a, a difference in a struggle and a serving. Okay, and you might say, well, look, what about the grace of God? Of course the grace of God's there. Of course God forgives you of your sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about the presence of God moving your life forward. I'm talking about you being happy. I'm talking about you being free. I'm talking about you having the joy of the Lord. I'm talking about you stopping, kick. you're going around in circle after circle after circle after circle. You wonder why you're not moving forward. The presence of God is right there. The power of God is right there. But you're holding on to your idols. You keep doing your life your way. You keep being self-directed. There's God's presence right there. There's freedom right there. There's God's power right there. The second that you'll repent and lay down your idols, you're going to stop walking around. The altar, man, God's going to set you free. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying, listen, 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 listen. I'm not being dramatic. I'm telling you the word of the Lord right now if you'll receive it. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but follow me. This 20 years. That's what the children of Israel were doing. And finally, here comes the word of the Lord. It's pretty simple. Samuel gets up there and says, listen, here's what we're gonna do, okay? We're not being religious anymore. We're not just gonna add church to our lives. We're not gonna be an and the Lord, follower of God, follower of Jesus. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn our hearts to God. We're gonna seek God. We're gonna repent of our sin. We're gonna put away our idols and we are gonna be only the Lord followers of Jesus. Come on, do I have some only the Lord followers of Jesus who's ready to have restored back to them every single blessing that's been held up? Fist bump somebody near you and say it's your banner year. It's your banner year. Jesus said so. Look at this, watch, watch. I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly. Then we'll get to the other 14 chapters I was talking about. <laughs> I love this, watch this. And Samuel said, so here they come, man. Here they are, they're gathering, they're seeking God. Watch, they start to worship. Look, it says, 
He says, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. That Mizpah, you know where this was? This is where, if you're familiar with the Bible, Mizpah was where Jacob and Laban, first they had a disagreement, then they made an agreement and Jacob set a monument there and he said, okay, Lord, everybody, heaven and earth, you heard the deal that was made here today between me and Laban. Mizpah means may the Lord watch over us. And here they are at Mizpah, all of a sudden, gathered together. And for the first time, they really start worshiping the Lord. What do we say? When you start worshiping, God starts watching. When prayers go up, heaven comes down. I'm telling you, if you want the eyes of God on you 24-7 to move on your behalf, you make this year a year of praise. You make this year a year of worship. Listen, those, I was listening to, listen, those prayer requests, I know we call them prayer requests and praise reports. I think we ought to change all of that to just praise reports. This is, I saw the answer, I'm still in faith standing on the answer. But it's all a praise report in 2018. Okay, look, look what this says. It says, so they gathered at Mizpah. They drew water and poured it out before the Lord. That was an offering because water was scarce in this season. It says, look, and then they, 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 they participated in awakening. And they fasted that day. There we see it again. Here's fasting. And it says, look, they sinned against the Lord and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. What that means is how they would judge. He would read the law. He'd read some of the prophets. People would repent. Watch this, watch. They would ground themselves in the word and they would get right with God. And uh, so he judged Israel. Now look at the, uh, Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. They're like, we want our golden tumors and rats back. Um, boy, they, they must have forgotten what God did to them pretty quickly. And it says, uh, so the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord, for, uh, Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. And Sam, look at this. Beautiful picture. Here's a foreshadowing of a new covenant believer. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Look, then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. What did Samuel do? He's like, all right, we need God's power. We need his blessing. What does he do? He takes a, a suckling. That means it's an innocent lamb. Lamb that didn't. Didn't do anything. And he sacrificed that lamb. That lamb was sacrificed. And the blood of that lamb, can you imagine all the children of Israel there with Samuel? And he'd been reading the word and he takes that lamb without spot or blemish, innocent lamb, and they see the blood of the lamb coming down over the monument at Mizpah where the Lord watches Fast forward, there's Jesus on the cross with blood running down. The lamb that was sacrificed for us. Come on, God sent him. God's watching. Here's the beautiful thing. And now because of the blood of Jesus, guess what? We have full access to the presence of God. You don't, you don't, you don't, like, like, 
You don't have to worry about how many times you wash or bathe or water. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Bible says that because of the blood of Jesus, now we can approach the throne of God with boldness and in confidence. So what this represents is now Samuel says, all right, I'm really going to pray right now. This is prophetically. This is a, a type and shadow. What he's saying, he's basically praying in the name of Jesus. It's the blood of the land being offered. He cries out to God and God hears him because this is a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus that brings the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, when you pray in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I'm telling you, that's why Jesus said, when that day comes, you can ask the Father anything in my name and I will do it. Anything that you pray in faith according to the will and word of God, it will happen. And if you don't see it, that's just because the answer is on its way. Can anybody praise God for what they're about to receive in this 2018 banner year? Man, I'm sweating. I'm sweating in my Awakening Revival shirt. Look what happens here. I'm almost done. Turn to someone near you and say, there's no Jags game to get today. <laughs> Look, almost done. A few verses left. It says, now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. I love this. The Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Look. But the Lord, look at this. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder. You know, I thought all thunder was loud. This must have been a special thunder from the Lord. Look at this. He thundered with a loud thunder upon. I would have loved to have seen that. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you talk, another just great movie. Um, by the way, I saw that there was a Samson movie. Coming out, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know the narrative, but it looks like a bloodbath. So anyway, <laughs> do you think how those guys fight? I mean, how does somebody go out and kill 1,500 guys with the jawbone of a donkey? That had to be like supernatural, like Matrix. How fast do you have to be? No, I'm serious, think about that. Like, see, we read these stories. Kill <laughs> me. Samuel done, Samuel done whooped 1,500 dudes with a, with, a, with a donkey bone. Wait, like, just kind of read that. So what did that look like? You put one dude versus 1,500 on a football field, and you tell me what that would look like in real life for one guy to whoop and kill all 1,500 with a bone. That beats Matrix stuff right there. I'll tell you right that. Matrix don't have nothing. That's called God's supernatural power, something angelic forces, something. I don't know what it is. But look, he thundered with a loud thunder, on the, uh, thunder upon the Philistines that day. Look, and so confused them that they were overcome by Israel. So here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. Remember, Baal was what, one, one of his things was he was the God of thunder. So the children of Israel start praising God. Come on, God doesn't want the praise party to end. So God shows up and said, I'm gonna show you who the real God of thunder 
the real God of thunder is. His thunder over, uh, that's what I love. It, watch, it's the same thing with Moses and the Amalekites. Samuel, when, when he cried out to God, it wasn't like, he didn't get up and say, okay, get a bunch more armies. Get us some more weapons. Go get all your swords. Recruit some more soldiers. No, you know what he did? He cried out to God. He lifted the banner of the Lord. The blood sacrifice of the lamb, the name of Jesus. Remember what we talked about? When we lift our hands, we create a throne for God. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord fought for Israel. If you will go through 2018 like this and not like this and not like this, I'm telling you, God will fight for you. God will defeat your enemies and God will restore back what he has for you. Okay. Oh, so good. And the men of Israel went out as far as Mizpah, pursued the Philistines, drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. You know what that means? It, that name means stone of the Lord's help. Saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Stone of the Lord's help. That root word for help there, it's the same root when God created Adam and Eve and he created Eve, Eve and he said, this is a help mate for Adam. Here's what that means. It's not like the stone of the Lord's help. Like, you know, God just assisted us. God just, you know, helped us out a little bit. In the same way, when Eve was created, she wasn't Adam's personal assistant. She wasn't his housekeeper. She wasn't just there just to organize his life. No, when that, she, she completed, she completed him. You know what he's saying here? The stone, what does the stone represent? The foundation of Jesus and the word of God. He was saying that this day we realize that God completes us, that the Lord surely is enough. And watch, here's why he did this. And he said, if we, um, prophetically speaking, he says, look, if we, this stone, remember what Jesus said about the stone, you know, if you build your house on the sand, it's gonna blow away, but on the stone, on the rock of his word, if you will get grounded in the word of God, watch, you get grounded in the word in 2018, this momentum's gonna keep going. This is what Samuel's doing right here. He's setting up this monument because he doesn't want this, what, have ha what has happened many times before, he doesn't want this just to be another event. He doesn't want this just to be another situation where Israel cries out to the Lord, God comes through, and they fall right back in their ways. He doesn't want this to be another three-day revival. He wants this to be a banner year. So what he's doing is, oh, I could preach that right there. So what he's doing is, he's setting up this monument. He's saying, no, 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 we're gonna keep this momentum. How many of you have ever been through a revival? And awake, and what happens? You go in the year, you lose the momentum because you don't stay grounded in the word and grounded in the things that God spoke to you over the revival. He's like, no, this is gonna be a banner year, not a banner day. And I'm telling you, 2018 is gonna be your banner year. It's not just gonna be a banner awakening, a banner day, a banner revival. It's gonna be a banner year because we are gonna keep the momentum going because we are gonna stay grounded in the word of God and we are gonna be mindful and move forward in God's presence and what he deposits in us over this fast. Look, so the Philistines were subdued and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Look at this. Not that day, not that week. 
what? All the days of Samuel. What a banner year. What a revival. It says, then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were what? Revival brings restoration. It wasn't about them getting new cities. It was about them getting back the territory and the blessings that God already had for them that had just been held up because their hearts really weren't right with God. It says, that were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace. Let me have the band come out right now. Let me have the band come out right now. Here's what I want to say. Watch. Revival is about restoration. And there are things that you don't even know about that God has for you. Those things are going to be recovered this year in Jesus' name. There are things like these cities that have been held up for years. They're going to be recovered and restored to you this year in Jesus' name. In fact, we got I would, that, that second part of the confirmation of this word. Uh, one of our staff members was telling me about, and I receive it and I believe it. He said that God is going to restore in the first three months of 2018 what has been held up for the last three years. And I, I prayed about that. I'm telling you, that's not a word for me. It's not just an overall word for our church. You're the church. That's a word for you if you will receive it, that if you will put away your idols, if you'll get serious about God, if you'll return to Him and worship, if you will make this year a year of praise, I'm telling you, God's going to restore back to you in three months what's been held up for three years. How many of you want to receive that today? I, you, don't, you don't have to. Listen, hey. You don't have to. You can just keep God's presence there and keep walking around. But I'm telling you, God loves you too much for you to stay right where you are. He's ready for you to move forward in 2018. And revival is here to restore. Restore your marriage. Restore your health. Some of you have been having a health issue for years. You're getting healed this year. Some of you, your spouse hadn't been saved for years. They're getting saved this year. Some of you, your children hadn't been saved for years. They're getting saved this year. Some of you, you hadn't had a breakthrough in your finances in years. You're getting a breakthrough in your finances this year. You're getting a breakthrough in your relationships this year. You're getting a breakthrough in really forgiving and letting go of the past this year. Am I talking to anybody today that's ready for 2018 to be a year that God restores? Come on, let's worship Him. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.